The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Negotiate Real Change podcast, where we highlight leaders who are creating positive change in their organizations. The more we talk to leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, the more we started to recognize the patterns of successful change makers within organizations. What we found is that when it comes to creating positive change, simply being a passionate professional who's armed with data, statistics, and research is rarely enough to create real change. So in this show, we'll share the secrets behind what it really takes for you to be a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. My name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, where we conduct negotiation and conflict resolution trainings that help to make your difficult conversations easier. We also conduct trainings in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion because we realize that there's a difference between passion and persuasion. And if you want to create real change, you have to be able to negotiate and resolve the conflict that comes with change. And if if you're interested in learning more about what we do, make sure to check out the American Negotiation Institute.com or check the link in the description of this episode. And now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Austin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Kwame. Super excited to be here. I am really pumped to be talking to you. Likewise, my friend. So, how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Austin Hill. I am the Director of Community Development at The Refuge. It is an addiction recovery program located in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And I'm also uh, the husband of Chelsea. We've been married for 16 years and we have three daughters and I have an awesome dog. So that is who I am really quick. <laughs> this is great. This is great. And everybody, yeah. this this episode is going to be fun because we're going to talk about what we can do to have healthy relationships. And we're going to use Austin's work at the refuge as essentially a case study for what that means for us in our everyday life. And so before we get into it, um, Austin, can you just give an example of what the, the refuge does? And then we'll actually go sure. into the, uh, like a little bit deeper into the content. Yeah. So we are a men's addiction recovery program. Uh, we're residential in nature. So that means first, and we're very long. So we're 13 months. Uh, so we are unpacking an awful lot of, uh, past history and we focus mainly on relational health. Uh, so we're looking holistically at, at, at a guy instead of just like stop using drugs. So what we do is we look at what's underneath. Uh, which does require a lot of talking about emotions and, and how we relate to other and how we how we respond to each other. So it is unpacking the trauma or reasons behind uh, the, I guess, the downward spiral that leads to addiction. We're getting the the drug use itself is the result of broken relationships. So we're getting to identify what those broken relationships are and addressing that. So that's what I do in a day in and day out setting. Talk, sitting in circles with a whole bunch of guys talking about our feelings. That's great. Listen, I think the world would be a better place if we had a little bit yeah. more of that. So I, I appreciate that work. Uh -huh. And um, and everybody, make sure to check out the link in the description if you want to learn more about Austin and the work of The Refuge. It's really great. If you're in Columbus, you can get involved. And um, if you're not, you can support in other ways. So, so make sure to check that out. And as we think about 
healthy relationships as the topic for this podcast, I think it would be helpful to mm-hmm. just get an idea of what it means to have a healthy relationship. So in your experience, how would you define a healthy relationship? Uh, a healthy relationship is when you are, I guess, at its pinnacle is when you are known, like deeply known by someone and you know them. So what that means is they know the ins and outs of who you are, uh, your weaknesses, you've been, um, they know uh, those deep, dark secrets that you don't want other people to know because you trust them. And so how we, I guess, how we identify what it is to be known, um, it means we are essentially giving people the tools and weapons to hurt us and trusting that they don't. Because if we think about our, our most the people we care about the most and that we want to, that we want to care for, they know those things that really hurt us, but they don't do, they don't intentionally go after us. Um, so that's, that's what it is to be in a relation, which is why relationships are tr- tricky because the closer we get to people, the easier it is for them to hurt us. We're like, we're giving permission. It's essentially saying like, here's the set of things that will crush me for a week. I trust you to not use them against me. And that's, that's what like, that's kind of the same way as like, if you think about what does it mean to fall in love? It means we are uh, building a relationship with someone who we think can uh, heal our deepest wounds. That's what falling in love is. It's building a relationship with someone that we think is going to heal our deepest wounds. But the great thing about it is great. I say it that way, where the people we do end up falling in love with are also the ones that activate our deepest wounds the most. We just trust that they are the ones who are going to help heal it. Oh, man, I have chills hearing that description. You're, you're spot on. It is equal parts, um, I would say, beautiful and terrifying, mm. too. Yeah. Very terrifying, too, because I think people can listen to that and they could say, this is like some of my best experiences have been when I've opened myself up to people and, and availed myself to the benefits of a healthy relationship. And then that same person will say, some of my most hurtful moments were when I've opened myself up and availed myself to the benefits of a beautiful relationship. And so, yeah, how, how do you reconcile that, that interesting parallel? Oh, man. I think what it is, it first starts off, if we're talking about how do you... Uh, how do you build a healthy relationship knowing that the deeper you go, the more likely it is you're going to be hurt. It's you have to be healthy with the relationship with yourself. And that takes time, just as much time to build relationships with other people. It's that, that one relationship you have with yourself. Uh, Cause like it like we'll just use addiction. For example, addiction is essentially a life filled with manipulation and lies. Uh, but the people that, so, but if you take it outside of addiction, just people who don't have uh, addiction to a substance, the people we lie to the most is ourself. We lie to ourselves the most and that causes a whole lot of problems. So it's, it's making sure that we have that relationship with ourself in a, in a good spot first off and then start moving forward to other people. But we, we get it all mixed up because especially in Western culture, when you hear the word falling in love, you think, oh, it's like, oh, that's romantic. But that's a romantic love. But what I'm talking like, it, it works multiple ways. Like I, so as a father, like I love my, I love my daughters and I love my wife and I love tacos. I'm using the same word, but it means different things. Right. And so in a relational standpoint, it's like I can say I love a community, 
But that mean I do, I do believe that in order to build a healthy relationship is very similar to building healthy communities. It's that willingness to uh, avail yourself like you, what you were saying earlier, but that requires enough strength in yourself to know that like I can be hurt and, but that does not define who I am. Um, like if you try to build a life where you're never hurt, it's gonna be super boring and very like shallow. Like that's, that's what we want. It's that, uh, dichotomy or tension between, uh, those things that we deeply need. Cause I, I do think we are personally like our deepest desire is to be known, but it's also the scariest thing. Our body reacts just as much because to be vulnerable, uh, Brene Brown is excellent when she, when she, all the research that she has done on vulnerability and shame, it, our physical, though, our physical response to the possibility of being shamed is the same response as the possibility of getting hit in the face. It's a physical response. So, and being vulnerable is giving the opportunity to walk around, giving people like, again, so if you go all the way back to like, to build a healthy relationship, we're giving people the tools to hurt us. And that's like, it's like a negative way to look at it, but that's what it's knowing that is good. Good to know, like, why am I responding this way? Cause we're like walking around being vulnerable, walking around, having this feeling that like, I might get punched in the face emotionally by sharing this. So a good like steps in this thing. Uh, to get to that known level is starting first at like, I feel seen as a person. So like, I see you, that, that's a good first step. When you build, when you first meet somebody, it's like seeing them for who they are. Right. And once they feel seen, then you can kind of test that less next level is like, are they safe? Are they safe for me? Like we can all think of the people an, another, like using kind of the, the right language for people um, so that you guys can, so that you can understand it is I say the reason why I made the example of what love is and how it's different. Another way to look at it is I feel seen. So if you feel loved or like, I love tacos. I love my daughters. I love some of my friends. So I see them. So I see who they are. And then are they safe? Cause there's people who we love, who, who we see and know that definitely aren't safe. But once you realize you're safe with that person, you're able to avail yourself or be vulnerable with them. So you're better to, then you can then next up understand understand who you are, understand who they are. And once you really understand who somebody is, then you get to that known. So it's a step-by-step process. So that's a good way to break down how to get to where you really want to be. So first it's, I'm seen, I feel safe, safe enough to reveal more and more of who I am. So I'm understood. And then finally to be known, but that's really hard when it's just self-focused. So it's constantly doing with other people. We're doing it so like you and I, Kwame, it's knowing first, like, do I see who you are? Are we safe enough where we can be honest and vulnerable with each other? And then as, as we do that, we get to understand our stories, who we are, where you come from, where I come from. And then once we get to that point, you kind of understand, like, oh, that's why he responds this way. That's why I'm passionate about this. That's why this ticks, ticks, ticks you off or ticks me off. So we understand who we are. And then we get to that known level of relationship with each other. This is great. And I love that breakdown of seen, safe, and known. So let, let's start with the first one, being seen. And so let's say if we're um, talking to people who are listening and they're saying, I'm trying to be human for the first time. <laughs> How do we break down these <laughs> steps? Yeah. Right. So if, if I'm going through it almost in a systematic type of way, which isn't how it sure. happens organically, but just to keep it simple, how do you mm-hmm. go about seeing someone and then being seen. So let's just focus on like you seeing somebody else. 
Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Have you been feeling the effects of stress, burnout, or anxiety at work? Workplace culture is changing, but we're not done yet. Listen to the Anxious Achiever podcast to rethink the relationship between your career and your mental health. Hear stories from psychologists, entrepreneurs, even athletes and celebrities. Learn how they balance success and ambition with staying mentally healthy. And walk away with practical advice you can implement today. Get The Anxious Achiever wherever you find your podcasts. Sure. So there are, so if, if we're looking at those things as, as levels and the first level being, I want to be seen, uh, we, we want to know first, like, how is this relationship going to work? And how are we going to increase that a deeper relationship? Well, it's knowing uh, there's three parts to every relationship. Uh, con- like there's constantly things happening between between you and somebody else. The first one is uh, appropriate trust. The second one is uh, mutual accountability. And the third is authenticity and vulnerability. If you have those three things, you can tell where the relationship is going to go. So to break that down first, if you see, if you are seen and seen and loved, like, or just seen, how much trust do I give you? So it's an appropriate trust. I'm not going to go around and share the, these deep, dark secrets with someone right away. So it's appropriate trust with somebody. Another example is like, I trust and love my uh, 10 year old, but I'm not going to let her do open heart surgery on me because she's 10. It's appropriate trust. The next one, that mutual accountability. If you are in a relationship where there's no accountability, now that sounds kind of intimidating to hold someone you just met accountable, but essentially what it is, is putting a a healthy boundary in between yourself and somebody else. So for somebody who you meet right off the bat, a good way to hold, hold, be held accountable or hold them accountable is if they ask something of you or ask for help and, or they, uh, and you're able to identify as like, is that, is that something I can or can't do? So it's setting a boundary. We do that as like all the time if we're in a meeting or if we are, um, you know, meeting somebody, meeting somebody new for the first time, especially if you're in a helping, like a human services standpoint, your job is to help. But you're essentially right off the bat starting. It's like, this is where I stop and you begin. And that's the healthy boundary. So if there is a point in time where that accountability is just one way, that's not a relationship. If I can't hold you accountable and you can't hold or, or vice versa, that's a like a job. 
or there's I'm mm-hmm. reporting to you. And but but even then, it's it's deeper. If you can hold your boss accountable, you'll have a deeper relationship with them. That's why mutual accountability is so important because we have the same set of bound like measurements. We're saying like I expect this from you, and you should expect that from me. So it has to have mutual accountability. And the other one is that vulnerability and authenticity, which we've already talked about, but it's what it is the keystone. Am I being real? So if we just use those as a circle, let's say I break, I break your trust, right? You hold me accountable. It's like, Hey, you lied about this. That's holding someone accountable saying you said you would follow through on this project or um, task. It didn't happen. And then my response is negative. So like, well, I don't believe that blah, blah, blah. Um, it didn't happen. I use excuses. I deny it. You automatically will go like, well, I don't know if he's being authentic. And I know I can't be as vulnerable with him because he's broken that trust. So we do it in reverse order. So if we do that in reverse order and it's healthy, you say like, hey, I'm going to be honest with you about something. You held me accountable. I messed up. If I'm, if I am vulnerable enough with you to, to just, you know, know that I won't be rejected by you. So I apologize. I own my own and take responsibility for my mistake, that builds trust, that trust. So then that leads it to, a, to the, that kind of builds us up in that stair step towards wanting to be known is if we're using one, using all three of those tools to build a healthy relationship, we get deeper and deeper, uh, deeper and deeper known by people. I love this. This is great. And so we have appropriate trust, mutual accountability, and then vulnerability plus authenticity here. And when you think about these three elements, what makes it so difficult for people to really follow through on these things? So in the same way that our deepest desire is to be known, our our biggest, uh, I guess, barriers and obstacles to that are fear, shame, and guilt. Uh, so these three things are written an awful lot about, um, something in, in my work in addiction. There's a, there's a excellent book called, uh, The Relational Soul. It's written by Jim Cofield and, and Richard Plass. Um, they talk about those three things as the response that we typically have to a difficult situation. And we're, we all kind of have a tendency to feel one of those. So the reason why people don't follow through is because they feel guilty. One, we'll just use, I, I feel guilty for not doing it. I'm not adding up to it. The other one, then it's uh, shame, which is like I'm shame is different than guilt because shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. So there, do you, that difference is pretty important because shame is like there's something wrong with me compared to guilt. I did something wrong. And then fear is just like fear of either rejection, pain, whatever it is. Those are huge motivators. Um, to protect ourselves because we naturally want to, you know, survive. And it's different in a, in our context because we're not constantly being threatened with, with death on a day in and day out basis. Like there are dangerous parts of, uh, of the U S but most of the time we'll be able to survive. And so our biggest threat is a rela- is relationships. So it's the thing we need the most and it's the thing that hurts us the most. Hmm. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's it's so interesting, you know, because it's something that we need, but something that can be deeply scary and and hurtful at the same time. And yeah, it seems like we if we want to be the people who are deepening the relationships, it seems like there is some responsibility that we have to really take that first step and put ourselves out there um, and be vulnerable 
in order to trigger that reciprocal vulnerability from the other person that we're trying to mm-hmm. connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in any setting, whether it's a one-on-one conversation or a group setting, the level of vulnerability, which is required to grow, um, is limited by the person who's le- can be least vulnerable. So the growth is limited by the person who can be least vulnerable. So what do we do with that? It's we practice vulnerability with those. So we have to be a little bit more vulnerable with someone to show that it's safe, right? So we're constantly stretching. There's always a, a pull towards health. It's, it's really hard to, to grow towards health relationally. I and mean, we can all hear that because like we have this nat, this tendency to pull away when things become hard. Um, because we don't want to feel pain. Um, and then, but then there's some people it's like, well, no, I'm, that pain doesn't scare me. I'll just make it worse or I'll just really lean into it. And then people push them away. That is also a way to protect yourself by pushing others away by being too vulnerable. So it's all about limits to it. Okay. So let's go deeper onto that point because I think that's something that people don't fully appreciate. And so just to summarize and then give you an opportunity to go deeper, you're saying that people will actually use vulnerability and be too vulnerable as a strategy to avoid further depth in a relationship. Go, go deeper on that. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So if ever we can all think of somebody who we've worked with, interacted with, or a family member who will just like, uh, we call it, this is coarse, but it's like word vomit. We're just, I'm just going to overshare or I'm going to invade your space, physical space. Which is like that, that isn't, that is a physical way of being vulnerable is being close to somebody. I mean, if we think like honestly, our most intimate relationships, if, uh, to make families, like we are incredibly vulnerable with each other physically all the time. So if, if we're, if we're <laughs> to be, uh, to use vulnerability as a, as a way to protect ourselves. It's, it's like a shock and awe way where it's just like, I'm just going to share something absolutely crazy. And then they'll never, they'll never ask me again. So they'll know it's like, Oh man, if I, if I open this can of worms, this person will talk, talk forever or they'll share all this stuff that makes me really uncomfortable. So vulner, it, it's a, uh, with anything, it's about, it's not about a right and wrong or like there's extremes. So it's, it's staying on, it's kind of like, we'll use a road as an analogy. A road, uh, in the middle is where we need to be. And there's gut, there's like an, an exaggerated and a diminished side to everything. You can be not vulnerable at all or way too vulnerable with people. So we don't need to walk around. Um, I think somebody gave the, the, uh, example of being vulnerable feels like I am going up on stage naked and expecting everyone to applaud. So that's the feeling. Uh, that's like, was like, I want everyone to applaud, but I'm going to go up on stage naked. Like, that's probably too much for some people. So it's <laughs> identifying who, <laughs> who we should be vulnerable with. It's, it's a, it is a constant, I think, vis, I think visually. So it's like this constant churn with different people all the time, figuring out where we are in our relationship that's appropriate that we build a healthier relationship. Or knowing if something needs healed. Because the, the thing is, like, uh, you and I are married. We are constantly seeking and wanting to be known by our spouses. But we do, like, we do stupid stuff. So, it kind of, like, drops us down a couple of things. It's like, because uh, we feel deeply hurt if we don't, if we took something for granted or someone, we made someone feel unsafe. So, it takes time to build that back. 
but there are ways into it. This like just like with trauma. Trauma isn't something where it's a it's a static state of life where I'm always traumatized. It's a wave where you can be traumatized, but you can heal from it also. And there are ways out of it. And it's not a it's not a forever feeling. Um, but there are there will be like with any wound, a physical wound, it heals and there's scars. And we have to change some of the things we do, but there are, there are ways out of trauma in the same way there are ways to build healthy relationships once that, once they've been hurt or broken. Yeah. And so what it sounds like to me is that we could use vulnerability as a tool or we could use it as a weapon. So we could use it as a tool to deepen connection or we could use it as a weapon to push people away. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of it that way, but it, it's really powerful when you think about those as two potential options too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also just knowing how to use it correctly because if, if we're using it as a tool, you can have like a watch is a tool and so is a hammer. But if I use them the wrong way, it's not, it's, it's user error. It's my fault for using a watch as a hammer. The watch didn't do its job wrong. I did. I used it. Yeah. I tried to use a watch as a hammer. It's not going to work. And if I try to use a hammer to tell the time, it's a tool. It's knowing how to use it correctly. So we can like, that's kind of, that's one of the risks of, we, we kind of see these waves of uh, social media, like psychologists where they will use like it it's true like what they're saying is true but then if you take it too far like you need to be able to use that tool correctly and it takes time which we do not like uh we have like it takes time to use these things properly so yeah and and practice too because i know austin there there are times in my life where i look back and i might have been too vulnerable with somebody and i can look back on it and i could look at it two different ways i could use i could think about it in a disempowering type of way or i could be have a more empowering approach to it and i think a disempowering approach is completely blaming the other side oh they betrayed me. They did this. They did that. They shouldn't have done that. It's 100% their fault. But I think we can treat it kind of like we, we would in a difficult conversation because in difficult conversations, one of the benefits is um, one of the strategies is shifting from blame to contribution. It's not 100% your fault. I'm not blaming you. Um, I'm saying there is something that you contributed to this and there's something that I contributed mm-hmm. to this. And I think when it comes to vulnerability and um, oversharing and then getting hurt as a result of that, um, the empowering interpretation is saying, let me look back. Let me think back on what I did. What did I do well? What did I do poorly? Yeah, this is probably not the time. This is probably not the person to share that particular thing in that particular way. Now I can make that adjustment. I don't need to armor up, as Brene Brown would say, and never be vulnerable right. again. That's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. I used the I used the right tool in the wrong way, and I can make that adjustment and do better in the future and still continue to have healthy relationships with other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the only thing we are actually responsible for, if we boil it all down, is our response. I am only responsible for my response. I, I can't do anything about if somebody is angry at me, um, whether it's justified or not, I am only responsible for my response. How do I respond to them? Do I look do I do I seek forgiveness or do I do I deny that it happened? That's on me. So if we realize uh that the level of vulnerability that I choose to show that is, that is on me and I can choose to use uh, the time. Like what you're talking about being too invulnerable. It's like, well, I am going to again, respond differently next time. 
Not not at all, because not responding is a choice also. That makes sense. Wow, this is really great. And now when you think about um, the things that people can do to improve their relationships, we, we talked about a lot of different things here, Austin, but yeah. just parting wisdom where somebody says, okay, how do I start? What do you think somebody should do as a first step to start to have healthier relationships with the people around them? I think the first one is just acknowledging where you're at currently, like stating the, stating the present situation or just like your present, the, the current relationship, just saying, using I statements, I feel like our relationship is under a lot of tension because of my, uh, because of how I've acted this past week. So it's just take, it's like, what is one thing that you can do this week to improve it? So it's stating what's currently happening, owning what you should. A, a good, uh, a good tool is, uh, or O A R. I grab an oar and paddle. So it's ownership, accountability, and responsibility. So own what's yours, just yours. Accept that you will be held accountable and then be responsible for what is yours and just yours. Not everybody's. You don't need to own everything in the, in the relationship. There are part, like the people we care about do dumb things too, and that's fine, but we still like them. We still love them. It works both ways. Like I do stupid stuff and I accept that, you know, people still love me even though I mess up. So in a first step, it's just stating where you're presently at, um, own what you need to accept and own and take responsibility for what you need to. And then, in that like accountability part, you're giving, you're extending trust. You're saying, please hold me accountable for this. Or I'm, I apologize for this. I will work to improve. So that's a good way to say like, Hey, this, I want to be safer or just, you know, if, if they're like, well, I know, I know that where you want to go with the relationship. And that's really be specific about where you want to go with the relationship. And this works in every, every relationship, not just family, but at work. Like, do I want to improve at work or do I want more responsibility work? It's stating where you want to go and then use that as the measurement or the accountability towards it. And it takes vulnerability to state where you want to go with a relationship. Wow. So your answer, I will say, is accurate. And I will also say, as a human, I don't like your answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't oh, either. My goodness. It's hard. That's so hard. That is so yeah. hard. But I think what you're doing here is I, I go back to the concept of conversational leadership. This is relationship leadership. You are essentially showing other people, the other people in the relationship through your example, how they should comport themselves to. This isn't easy for me to take ownership. And it's not easy for me to expose myself to be held accountable and take responsibility for my contribution. This hurts. It physically hurts when I do that, Austin. I don't feel good when I do it. I know that it's effective. I know that it's what I need to do, but it doesn't make it easy to do. But I think it makes it easier for the other person to reciprocate if I see somebody else taking the lead. So I think if we start to take think of ourselves in terms of leaders within the relationship, it makes what we need to do in order to have a healthy relationship just a little bit more palatable. Not easier, Mm -hmm. but just a little bit more palatable. And then we can get that, that ball rolling so we can start to have better relationships with the people around us. Agreed. That was perfect. Yes. Thank you. Listen, let's end this with you saying I'm perfect. I like that. Austin, <laughs> I really appreciate this. <laughs> yep. Listen, before you go, let the listeners know again about The Refuge, how they can get in touch and, and maybe how they can support as well. 
Sure. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Kwame. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you, really value our friendship and really impressed and uh, with where what you've done. It's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, The Refuge, again, is a it's a men's addiction program based in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we are a 13-month uh, residential program uh, is completely free because we don't think that uh, money should be a, ba- a barrier for, you know, surviving, uh, living a life that is a give that's life, like living a life with purpose. Um, the best way to get a hold of the refuge is to go to our website at therefugeohio.org. So T H E refuge, R E F U G E Ohio.org. That's where most of the information, the most important information is. And uh, give us a call. If you know anybody who is uh, trapped by addiction, uh, please reach out for help. You are not alone in this. I bet most of the people around you know someone who is uh, trapped by addiction and there is hope for their future. I promise. I see it every day. It is an exciting, difficult life, uh, but it is it is something you can do. Uh, we have to do with each other. So this is great. Austin, thanks again for joining us and thanks again for your awesome work. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.